Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening far from the matting crowd. Glenn Campbell, I'll Be Me, Kurt Cobain, Montage of Heck, What We Do in the Shadows, and more. At Lakeside Hope House on Thursday, June 11th at 7 p.m., Jackie McNish and Sean Silkoff read from and discuss their latest book, Losing the Signal, The Spectacular Rise and Fall of Blackberry. And on June 5th, Friday, Lowlands, Elena Gurr, and Green and Gold play the E-Bar at 10 p.m. The bookshelf is an independently owned cultural hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. For more information about their hours, listings, blogs, and accessibility, please visit bookshelf.ca. She's moved by the thought of sky and how the circle The 32nd Annual Hillside Festival takes place July 24th, 25th, and 26th at Guelph Lake, Rain or Shine, featuring performances by Astral Swans, Bad Bad Not Good, Badminton Racket, Baskery, Battle of Santiago, Braids, The Brothers Landreth, Bulgarian Voices Trio, By Divine Right, Tim Chasen, Nels Klein Singers, Constantines, Nick Crane, Alex Cuba, Daka Braca, Del Bell, Doldrums, Echo Deck, Darren Edens, Eloquent, Etiquette, Nick Ferrio, Jeremy Fisher, Frazy Ford, David Francie, The Good Lovelies, Great Lake Swimmers, Ash Grunwald, Hungai, The Henrys, Suzanne Jarvie, Mo Kenny, The Cramdens, Daniel Lanois, Last X, Lee Reed, Lids, Look Vibrant, Le Luc, Minotaurs, Moonface, The Once, Nancy Pants, Doug Paisley, Fred Penner, Perch Creek, Poor Man's Whiskey, Natalie Prass, The Spring Standard, Jamie Stone's Lomax Project, Sultans of String, Team, Thus Owls, Tribekistan, Riley Walker, The Weather Station, Jason Wilson and Pee Wee Ellis, and more to be announced. For more information about purchasing tickets to this accessible event, please visit hillsidefestival.ca. Creative Control with Vish Khanna. On this episode, one of my favorite hip-hop artists anywhere, Lee Reed from Hamilton, Ontario, is on to talk about his new album, What's Going On in His City, which is changing radically all the time. Uh, Political action and reaction and inaction. 
whole bunch of other stuff. He's a really fascinating artist. He writes politically charged music in an age where it isn't very popular to do so, and he does so uh, very uncompromisingly. I, I, I think he's a he's a good man, and he's a he's a great artist. So if you don't know Lee Reed, you're going to hear uh, a new song from him at the end of the interview, and a snippet of another one near the top. And I think you I think it's a, a fascinating conversation. I stand by this one, even though I sound a little tired during the interview. That's my takeaway from it. I, I probably was. I can't remember. There's too many children now. I can't remember what's going on. Anyway, here it is. Myself and the great Lee Reed. This episode is brought to you by Pizza Trocadero, the finest pizzeria in all of Guelph, Ontario. They've got delicious gourmet pizzas or choose from an array of fresh ingredients and make whatever you like. Calzones, wings, panzerotti, salads, breadsticks, garlic bread. Pizza Trocadero has it all. You can find them at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph or visit them online at trocaderoguelph.ca. That's T-R-O-K-A-D-E-R-O-G-U-E-L-P-H dot C-A. Call them at 519-829-2444 for pickup or delivery. That's Pizza Trocadero, a place of the good trade. The government of Canada sincerely apologizes and asks the forgiveness of the Aboriginal peoples of this country for failing them so profoundly. This is stolen land where you've been standing Understand it, switch it from stitching bandage To substantive with derangement and some things Reparation made for corporate gain First Nation pains a moral stain We hide genocide on reservations Too many pages of our history's erased To mitigate the national shame of it Built by slave, black labor, hobbling Arrogant racist, John A. McDonald Ten dollar notices, check the quotes Genocide Personified, exposed Colonial go both coasts And they got railway posts with the Chinese ghosts Mine for diamond, nickel and gold Total control of petrol flow Ayo, no Canada We want none of that Bogus, broken corporate management Jingle, patriot, fascist Petrol national, carbon capital, man Do you understand? Where you stand? Lee Reed is a riveting and uncompromising hip-hop artist from Hamilton, Ontario. Once a member of the powerful group Warsaw Pack, Reed has released three politically charged solo albums, including his latest, The Butcher, The Banker, The Bitumen Tanker, which is available now via LeeReedRevolt.com. He's playing the Hillside Festival in Guelph during the weekend of July 24th, and, and he's here now for a chat. So let's all say hello to Lee Reed. Uh, hi, Lee. How are you? Hi, Vish. I'm well. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Where Where are you, Lee? I am currently at my girlfriend's house in Hamilton, Ontario. Ah, what's going on in Hamilton these days? Are there any hot topics of conversation? Well, funny you should ask, Vish. Uh, just this morning, Premier Wynne descended upon Hamilton and uh, announced that uh, they're going to supply us with up to a billion, billion dollars for LRT, which is a pretty big deal for uh, transit advocates and, uh, you know, more livable city movement folks from Hamilton. 
you say you, you <laughs> it, this, this sounds like good news to me this sounds like a thing you would be on side with but the way you put it sounded a little disparaging <laughs> oh vish i'm surra- I'm, I'm living in a real estate ad right now it's hard to take good news you never know what the motives are these days it's uh I love this city, but it's undergoing enormous and rapid change in the downtown area where I've lived since, you know, 97, I guess. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what kinds of change uh, have, has got you kind of concerned? Well, um, you know, it's there's just, you know, the, the gentrification of the very core right now, like what what once was a, a bit of a a bit of a wasteland that we could uh, do whatever we wanted with um is is getting bought up and is getting kind of it's it's i would say this year probably is the point at which i personally you know as a as an already sort of culturally colonizing force you know i'm not exactly from james street north i've yeah. just lived down there for a long time so i'm i'm no better in some ways i i guess you could say i was one of the first <laughs> conquistadors of the downtown <laughs> But um, yeah, it's it's at the point now where just a lot of people that I know and people that I know that have been working and living down there for, you know, decades even um, are are getting priced out, uh, are getting to the point where they can't afford rent on their their homes or on their businesses or, you know, things like that. We, we it's come up quite a number of times on the show when I talk to people about Hamilton and what a wonderful city it's been and how it's been growing. And uh, a number of people from Toronto have suggested that that's where they want to live because uh, at least a few years ago, it was an appealing and relatively nearby alternate to living somewhere in the very, very expensive city of Toronto. For sure. But now what you're saying is because all of these people keep moving in, (laughs) it's making things unlivable for the for the residents there really. Yeah. And I mean, and, and listen to me complaining, like I have, I have a decent job and, you know, um, but our, you know, the, 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 the folks most at risk, uh, have been displaced, you know, or the last remnants of their displacement is, is in place right now. So it's, I mean, it's, I, I whinge and I complain about it, but the, the truth is that it, it is really impacting thousands of people. Um, the sort of the police presence in the downtown has changed a lot. We have this thing called the Action Squad now addressing crime trends in our neighborhood. And um, it's sort of the Hamilton version of uh, carding. And, you know, they're, they're sort of developing databases on all the, all the people that they don't want. <laughs> basically. Oh, no. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, Hamilton's the only place that I know of where the police openly talk about uh, ticket quotas, which in most places makes people just lose their GD minds. But the the Hamilton police have openly talked about the fact that they have and they maintain ticket quotas. This action squad that I just referenced, actually an entire, I don't know what you call it, wing or detachment or whatever from within the action squad, all of the members just got in trouble um, and are on uh, administrative leave because they were found fabricating these tickets or giving them out to people um, who they had information on, say, so they have info, info on a guy from a men's shelter, so they would make up a, a, a report about dealing with that guy that day, um, and he wouldn't even know. He didn't even do it, and uh, they're filing these these types of paperwork, right? Yeah. That's a whole other thing, but basically the whole idea of this this kind of new detachment is uh, is uh, you know, under the guise of cleaning up the downtown, Um and really what it's what it's about is is making way for for capital and for people finally being interested in our downtown you know 
Right. I mean, I think as much as I was talking earlier about how, what a booming city Hamilton is, it just doesn't, I think there's still people that don't, it doesn't have that perception for everyone. No, definitely not. And th there's a lot of poverty here. Um, a couple of our, you know, zip codes are some of the poorest parts of Canada. Right. Um, there's uh, an area of Hamilton, the north end of Hamilton, for instance, uh, has a 20.5 year less life expectancy than if you drive west just eight kilometers. Hmm. Um, so the sort of, yeah, the, the, the environmental and uh, like health kind of, uh, the, the classism here is, is, is really easy to, to follow along geographic lines. And so what that used to be part of the downtown, the downtown used to be part of that. And it was something that uh, the affluent sort of thumbed their nose at and didn't uh, really have an interest in. So it's just strange. I, I'm, I'm torn about it, honestly, Vish, because I, I love to see my city thriving. I love to see um, what was once a boarded up building become something that somebody really loves and that they're doing something with, you know. Um, but at the same time, it's really sad to see uh, how that manifests and how quickly it kind of uh, changes the the – I don't know, the city's zeitgeist, you know, I, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just like the Hamilton's changing and it's changing quick. There's and no, there's no uh, plan in place for those who are displaced by all of this gentrification and development. Not really. No, there's a uh, talk of, uh, I heard about this program where they're, they're trying to help uh, house homeless people and uh, they'll be building quite a number of units and actually I think the intention is to actually invite people from even other communities to come and live in some of them. But as far as like affordable housing for even the working poor in Hamilton, it's really tough. Um, you know, there was a time when the housing market was pretty good here, but that that was one of the first things to, to sort of go. And now it's worked its way into the rent world. Mm. Um, so it's it's tough if you uh, if you have just, you know, a standard crappy job and a kid you know, downtown Hamilton's unaffordable now, um, where five years ago, that wasn't the case. 10 years ago, it was very affordable. So, you know, it's kind of changing the, the, the look and the, the feel of downtown. And, uh, yeah, uh, there, there isn't a plan in place. Uh, like I know people, uh, like on OD ODSP that have been waiting for accessible housing for like 10 years, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, and Hamilton is a sort of healthcare hub where a lot of these people come for their appointments and they they move here. In fact, they relocate here for their access to hospitals and for specialized sort of medicine. Um, that's one of our our nodes. You know, the healthcare uh, industry, I guess you'd call it, yeah. um, is huge in Hamilton. Um, and so, yeah, we, we're 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 overloaded with folks that are in need of help. Um, and it just feels like, uh, yeah, the the road forward has a lot more to do with condominiums and, you know, um, that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I hear you there, and uh, it's a, it's, it is a shame. And I, and you know, it's funny. A lot of people, when I have them on the show, and I say, uh, "Where are you? What's your city? What's going on in your city?" That takes about three minutes. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, 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 no. I applaud you for going deep into what's going on. I, I asked the question. I think a lot of people don't think of answering it in that way. And I actually appreciate that. And I expect nothing less from you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Now, I initially thought that the, the butcher, the banker, the bitumen tanker was a call to action. But the more I listen to it, I'm not sure if that's exactly true. How would you describe the record and its overall message? Um, well, uh, I mean, I think it's, it's, 
it's very similar to pretty much everything that I've done prior to it in that it, it it's I've never been good for a call to action. There's a few tracks on it that are, <laughs> but I, I'm better at sort of um, criticizing the dominant sort of structure. I think the the thing that's different about this record is it's it's definitely more Canadian than anything I've ever written. Um, but it's in that same vein of of writing I've done previously. I, I I'm more at home, sort of uh, thumbing my nose at, making fun of, and uh, uh, sort of. Uh, yeah, criticizing uh, uh, oppressors or the structure that we live in, or however you want to put it. My form of of sort of leftist politicized music is is uh, often not a call to arms. You know, uh, I think a lot of punk folks do it well. Um, I, I feel like I got a bit of a punk edge to me, but yeah, I've I've never been good at like writing songs about now do this or you know now get up and do this i try to be very honest it's something i want to get good at and i think uh we could use more of in 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 you know in the music scene but i'm i'm not great at it i'm better at uh at saying this is bs and <laughs> here's why you know well i i think that on some level highlighting something you're criticizing is potentially for those who weren't aware of the issue or hadn't thought twice about it, in a sense, it's possible that even highlighting it is doing some good. That's true. Yeah, that's true. For sure. For sure. But, uh, I, but I do think that you 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 self-describe yourself rather well as someone who criticizes maybe more than offers solutions to the problems you're criticizing. It's true. It's true. Uh, and I mean... I I'm I don't have solutions. <laughs> you know, I I uh I like to think I work towards solutions in my my personal life uh and I I know people that that are working towards solutions like organizers that are thinking that way. I'm not great at doing that though, and especially with my art, you know, that's a really tough thing to do with my art. I, the the type of writing that I do now honestly is the same sort of writing that I did when I was 16, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm in my forties now. Like I, I just I can't uh, see around it. It's it's uh, for me. It's like a kind of, uh, um, I, it's like a release to sort of yell the things that I'm thinking, the things that are bothering me. And I'm not great at articulating what I think I should do about it. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's like it. think that that you know that like you say like by highlighting these things that it's it's somehow adding to to uh, the discussion or it's it is pushing thinking forward or that sort of thing and uh i certainly lend my music and my performances uh uh have been used to highlight issues raise funds for things uh i've played at blockades i've played at occupations you know for people that are <laughs> chained to equipment sort of thing uh so i i mean and that's, that's a that's a good audience by the way that's the best audience. Swamp Line Nine. Uh, a couple <laughs> summers ago, we uh, we played at an Enbridge pumping station for a group of about fifty. My, my friend Tariq and I, and uh, yeah, it was honestly a very mem- memorable show. Um, yeah, and I've played uh, sort of like marches. We've we, you know we've rapped while we while we move on the street. We've used music sort of as a form of direct action in a way, I guess you could say. But yeah, as far as like 
writing a song or penning a song about what I what I think we should do about a situation that I'm not really uh, <laughs> I'm not at home there, you know. I think you're you're across the board anti-authority. So I think putting yourself in a position where you're suggesting what other people should do to live their lives probably doesn't uh, sit well with you. There's an element of that, yeah, for sure. I, I and also I I I don't feel like I should presuppose that my my solution is is. Uh, is going to work, you know, or, or that it's better than somebody else's. Uh, yeah. That's really what it's rooted in. Yeah. I have this sort of like feeling like, uh, I don't think that's really my place, you know, especially the more I learn about, you know, the, the language of struggle and the language of, of social and environmental justice movements, the more I realize how little the world needs like a, a chubby old white dude telling them what they should be doing. You know, I feel like I should just be more accountable to, to the crap that my culture creates. Then I want to ask you about your culture and my culture. You, you mentioned that this new record is, is potentially your most Canadian uh, uh, sort of steeped in more Canadian issues than mm-hmm. anything you've done before, and I and I've I've been thinking about this a lot lately. That the fact that Canada uh, has for many many years been regarded as this kind, uh, polite nation above uh, America, which is mm-hmm. not very really viewed that way, and so by comparison, we came off rather well. Do you feel like our consciousness about just how shitty we are is 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 young do you feel like this is something that we're just the general population is just coming to terms with the fact that we're actually our hands are just as dirty as anyone else's i i think so i think so and i and and honestly that's the best way of putting why this record is the most canadian one that i've done is because that stuff has come to light for me in the last three to five years the writing that's on this record is born out of um me gaining a better understanding of of sort of my part in uh, what I once probably thought was an American thing or was a, a globalizing force or was a whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, uh, <clears throat> there's people that have always been aware of that, of every race and and background. There's always been activists that have, have understood sort of like, uh, you know, the, the, the what it means to say decolonizing what it means to say um indigenous sovereignty or that sort of thing uh but i think that for a lot of people myself included yeah i was i was blind to how uh culpable canada is in the in the in the scheme of of sort of whatever you want to call what it is that we're going through right now this sort of um all this austerity and this yeah uh, you know, rush to to extract resources. Like, for instance, a a really big one, um, and that I had no idea until uh, just maybe three or four years ago was that Canada is the headquarters of the world for resource extraction. So, seventy five percent or more of the world's uh, resource extraction firms are based in either Toronto or Calgary. Mm. So that includes like diamond, gold, silver, that sort of thing. Um, I learned this through a friend, Sakura Saunders, okay. who's the partner of uh, Darius, who's a testament from Tester Logic, a group that I play shows with a lot. Okay. And I've toured with and I, and I, I build with these guys all the time. So Sakura is, uh, is involved in, uh, in like mining justice. So, uh, she's most famous for protest barrack, um, and has sort of spearheaded like amazing and successful campaigns against resource extraction firms by kind of linking 
the the grassroots work of activists in Canada and in some cases the states with the actual workers and miners that are and communities that are affected by Canadian mines in Central and South America primarily, but also in Africa and Asia. Mm-hmm. So I had no idea about this. And and really what it comes down to is that Canadian law uh protects better than uh, other nations. So when a company decides that they're going to say, okay, well, uh, yeah, poisoning that entire table of water is, uh, you know, is going to be okay with us. Uh, so let's move ahead with this project. Um, they're not, they're not culpable in the way that they would be if they were based out of Germany or France or England or even the States. Um, CEOs and, and shareholders can be privy to things that they would they would get in trouble for in other countries. And so that's the reason that we are the home of this place. And when you look deeper into it, you realize that Canada, in a lot of ways, is a prototypical third world nation. We are the model of resource extraction nation huh. worldwide. You know, we were one of the first countries. Think about it. Some of our first years, the country was carved up by businesses. The Hudson's Bay Company owned most of Ontario right. at one point, you know. Um, so we have a this this very uh, – like that, that relationship between capital and governance is is in our very fiber from the, the day we got here. That's how we looked at this land and that's how we – that's how we sort of facilitated our, our interaction with the rest of the world. And yeah, it's a, a lot of that stuff I had no idea. You know, I had no idea that Canada was the home of all this mining and the home of all this sort of bad labor practice and bad environmental practice. Um, and it's sort of coming home to roost with the tar sands. And I think that's why people are waking up to it because really, you know, we're starting to be be treated in the same manner that we've been treating other nations for decades and decades. You know, we yeah. are, yeah, we're, we're, you know, projects are being railroaded through, even though the public doesn't want them. Uh, our water is being polluted and we're being told it's not, you know, our air is being polluted and we're told it's fine. Um, it's the same sort of game that they would play in a place like Guatemala or, or Mexico. Uh, but it's finally come home. And I think that that's really what it's all about is I think that, that 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 has amped up to the point where people are waking up to it and they're realizing, hey, these companies that are promising promising so many jobs, um, you know, they're they're not really that great. And uh, I, I I think that yeah, I mean, that, at least that's how it sort of came out for me was realizing like Canada's uh, part in all of this, and it's quite huge, you know, when you consider, for instance, uh, Canada was the was the you know the model by which South Africa built its its apartheid state? You know what? The, really? Yeah, definitely. The Indian Act inspired South African apartheid. The way that we had reservations was how they they realized they could deal with their their indigenous population. The same as Australia, and and in many ways Israel. I like all three of our parties are 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 strong backers of Israel. You know the yeah. there, nothing. Uh, we are we are colonial capitalists through and through, and and the the sort of legal framework and the way that we've managed our our indigenous population here is the envy of a lot of these nations, and uh, we've managed to sort of contain and impoverish, and you know we've never needed to go to war per se. Uh, it's been a, a slow genocide, is what it's been. I mean, the UN has called it that. It is genocide. We yeah. are destroying culture. We're abducting children. We're, you know, um, 
and that's what it is. And uh, yeah, we were the envy of, of other nations that have had to sort of uh, fight to be the colonizer. Um, here, it's been uh, more of a slow, legal, uh, drawn out sort of, you know, it's like paperwork and, and mundane sort of conquering, but that's what it is. It's the same thing. Yeah. So you take all, you take this realization, as you put it, you know, you, I didn't know about these things, some of these things. You take this realization, you take all of this knowledge, and, and this, uh, this yields songs like No Canada and, and, and Bad Gas and Dear Liberals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's totally true. That's kind of how it works for me. It's like, uh, I, yeah, I, I kind of I uh, absorb that information and then I turn it into song, you know. And it's it's kind of always been the process for me. Sometimes it takes me a really long time to write. Yeah, uh, a lot of this record came out of me pretty quickly. Like once I once I got the beats in place and once I got settled into okay, what it is that I'm doing, um, it came out pretty quick. But it was definitely sort of the accumulation of a lot of learning. I knew I wanted to articulate. Um, that Canadian content better. I wanted to to speak to that stuff that's sort of been front and center in my in my in my reading and thinking the last few years. And uh, yeah, it came out pretty quick. You, you know, s- you said something earlier that I found interesting in that you you self identify a little bit anyway as a punk. And uh, you, I mean, I think of you as this hyper conscious rapper. And I'm curious about your relationship to hip hop because hip hop, I think, more than any other genres. Uh, and perhaps this is arguable and perhaps I'm willfully forgetting a lot of seven. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. These and 80s and 90s and even now a lot of excess, but it feels like Hip hop in particular seems to encourage and reward a certain kind of brash uh, consumption or brash materialism. Mm-hmm. What do you make of that? Why is that? What what's your relationship to that as someone in this realm? Well, um it does in a way, but it it does that is encourage sort of brash consumption, uh affluence in a weird way or fl- flashiness or uh flossing or <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um 
Yeah, it does do that. And and it's been part of it since the early days. But I think what people forget is is that there was a time when, and and that is very much tied to the birth of hip-hop, when uh, black folks talking about having wealth or getting wealth was – uh, revolutionary, yeah. you know, it yeah. was, uh, you know, so it's, it's rooted in that, you know, it's rooted in that. So it's important to remember that. Um, to me, uh, you know, I, I'm like, I have friends that'll, that'll be like, Oh, I, I won't listen to that. Uh, it's too misogynist or I won't listen to that. It's too homophobic and I won't write anything misogynist or homophobic, but I'd be lying if I said that I don't listen to all types of hip hop and I don't, you know, enjoy all types of hip hop. Some of it's a guilty pleasure and some of it I wouldn't, you know, support in the sense of like purchasing or I wouldn't go to a show or sure. that's the thing. But sometimes I got to sit back and just go, Oh man, the way that guy just said that was pretty amazing, you know? <laughs> and so for me, it's kind of a, it's, it's like my relationship to hip hop kind of dictates the way I write. And in that for a start, it was the sort of politics of hip hop that, that sort of made me really interested in it. Like, uh, um, so I'm cough, cough, 42 now. And I started listening to hip hop kind of when it was brought into Canada. So in the early eighties, uh-huh. you know, uh, the first sort of records that I sought after in grade sort of six through eight were like the earliest run DMC, LL cool J. But the one that really got me was the public enemy album. Yo bum rush the show. Mm-hmm. That blew my mind. And I, I think I was maybe 13 or 14 when I heard that. And I immediately, you know, sought out everything else by them for the rest of my life. But I also was was interested in more hip-hop like that, you know. And uh, it's uh, it's always – it's in the early years especially, it was it was sort of always there underneath. Like you could hear it in, in, in everybody's writing in a way, the way that they spoke about poverty and the way that they spoke about – the 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 struggle that that people went through just to sort of get by you know and you got to think like that's that's 70s and 80s new york influence so look back to the films of that time you know it's like that wasn't the same as it is now there was there was a lot more poverty and it was a lot more widespread there was a lot more crime there was a lot more um you know. and i i mean don't get me wrong as a as a fan of hip hop as someone who studied hip hop i i understand where the aspirational aspects of it um, and, and sort of the empowering aspects of it can lead to, as you as you said, flossing or to kind of being flashy yep. and, 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 and sort of having those um, milestones to reach, you know, like I'm going to get out of this neighborhood or I'm going to do this. I'm going to, you know, do achieve something or make some money. Yeah. I, I understand why that's intrinsically a part of the culture. But um, I'm also sometimes I don't know if I'm just getting grouchy in my old age, <laughs> but sometimes I I miss the more substantive aspects of what is the predominant stylistic force of yeah. our time. Like hip hop is is completely the most dominant part of our culture. Like it, or rather, it dominates culture. It does. And the hip hop that you're speaking about. Uh, and not just Public Enemy. I think they're kind of the benchmark for uh, political rap, as well as KRS One, maybe Dead Prez. Uh, you know, there's a few. Uh, maybe I, I, I don't know. I, I, the list is endless. Um, and I don't know if I'm like you know every on every Wu Tang album or something. There seems to be one 
heartfelt, earnest song. <laughs> right, right, right. And, and, and maybe surrounding that are the songs you described earlier, the kind of guilty pleasures, the the vaguely misogynistic. It's, yeah. It's just such a complicated culture to consume sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, even a, a figure like Kanye West, I think, has said some of the most, he's been one of the most outspoken uh, political MCs of the last decade, but he's not known for that. It's true. It's true. You're right. Yeah, he has said some very groundbreaking things. Eh? I mean, no, nothing. I don't know that it, it gets paid enough credence, but for him mm-hmm. to go to stand beside Mike Myers and say that <laughs> President Bush doesn't care about black people, that's that's that. It was controversial because of who he is, but that's that was a very important moment. That was one of the most important moments in modern television. <laughs> exactly, and it gets kind of glossed over because of who he is. He's almost a distraction. Mm-hmm. Even at that time, I mean, this was, God, what was that, eight years ago? Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm sorry. I don't mean to uh, take us no, down this no. path. I'm just, you're a no. guy You're a guy who's, and I mean, I noticed your production. Your production choices seem pointedly old school, if that makes any sense. <laughs> it is, yeah, especially on that last record, you're right. Very much so, yeah. So I, I'm curious, you know, I just had Raekwon on the show and tried to, in the 15, 16 minutes I had to speak with him, talk about some of these things and he answered very thoughtfully about you know he's the chef and as an MC, as an artist you want to take people to different places in your work you you don't just want to be either the gangster rapper or or the conscious rapper talking about politics you need to mix it up you're a guy you know people pick up this record and it's an onslaught of political thought <laughs> it is yeah I, I I almost started talking about this this earlier, but to me it's it's it has to do with my relationship to hip hop, and it and that is I I don't feel comfortable really pretending to be something that I'm not. You know, I don't a lot of rap kind of um, even if it's just exaggeration or uh, you know poetic license, I I can't see myself feeling good about talking about myself or about how I'm how I might be better or something, you know, or how I might, uh, be the, the best or, you know, you know how hip hop is like that sort of braggadocio stuff. And yeah. so for me, it's like, uh, I feel like if I'm really going to feel comfortable in the hip hop community, if I'm going to be able to hold my head high and, and, and go, okay, yes, I've made a contribution to this culture as a, as a, as a, as a chubby old white dude that grew up in Northern Ontario, for goodness sakes, you know, like I, uh, what have I got to contribute to hip hop? And I feel like the things that I'm saying are things that are best said by a chubby old white dude, you know? <laughs> because they're attacking the institutions that 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 you know that I come from. And I, so I feel at home doing that, and I feel I can feel confident in it, and I can feel like I'm I'm sort of contributing to the culture of hip hop in a way that's that's me, and it's very much. Uh, something I created, you know, it isn't, uh, biting anybody. It isn't, uh, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's speaking to the issues that, that my culture is, is doing to the earth. And I feel like, uh, if I'm going to open my mouth and talk about something that, that it should be that, you know, because that's my responsibility. That's what, you know, that's where I, I feel like I sh- I should put my attention. You you were talking earlier about, or we were talking earlier about how um, Canada Canadians uh, there seems to be a rising consciousness about our place in the world um, and how it's not as squeaky clean as we'd like to believe it is. Mm. Um, 
And you're a guy in a, in making music in a realm that is um, can be very fashion conscious. It can be almost conservative on, mm-hmm. in terms yeah. of you know the kinds of things that that uh, transcend um, a studio and become huge. I mean, you're talk you're the stuff you're talking about. I think is hugely important. Uh, but I'm curious if you find it difficult to break through in the hip-hop community with what you're saying, because mm-hmm. I find so much of the more important political speak, cultural speak, social, just like the stuff that is speaking to what is holding us back as as humanity <laughs> seems mm-hmm. to always be pushed to the fringes. It's true. And it's I, totally true. And I, I'm curious about your experience in that. I mean, you're a white chubby dude, as you say, making hip hop music. <laughs> yeah. You don't fit the mold of success or, or the things that people want to get behind as representing the culture. And it's yet, true. you know, I'm not just saying this to make you feel good. I, I think you're among the most talented MCs. You say the most. You have. You're among the most substantive lyricists I've I've ever encountered. It's a shame to me that not more people don't know who you are and what you're saying. And I'm curious if you have some insight into that, particularly coming, you, you spoke to this a little bit in the, in the last response, but being a part of hip hop culture, mm. how do you get these messages across to where they, they're actually going to be meaningful? Well, you, you've, you've summarized my entire musical dilemma. <laughs> uh, it's it. The truth is that um, it is hard to break through. And, and the truth is that I'm not well received by the Canadian hip hop community. I'm really not. I'm received well by uh, the Hamilton community and the Hamilton music community um, and uh, of all genres. Um, I find that other artists uh, are, <laughs> are good fans of mine. Uh, they'll be <laughs> some of the first to show up to out of town shows and that sort of thing. Uh, but it's a hard sell. No joke. It's, it's, um, uh, and it's, it, I guess the, the 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 thing is I can't recreate the sort of relationship I have with people in the way that my music is in Hamilton. Like, um, you know, I, I collaborate with tons of people here. I'll do vocals for other types of music, uh, other shows, that sort of thing. So I my I don't rely on the hip hop community to get by in Hamilton. You know what I mean? Um, I'm on really great terms with everybody who makes hip hop in Hamilton. I go to a lot of shows. I support a lot of shows. Um, and as I say, those artists will come to my shows, but their audience, <laughs> it's a harder conversion. Um, and in, you know, uh, I don't really have much insight there, Vish. I've, I've, I've sort of basically, it's been quite some time that I've stopped thinking about it as a, as a money-making or <laughs> success-making venture and more something that I really just need to do for myself. I, I, I'm in the exact same boat as you with uh, <laughs> this, the, all my ventures, I feel like, you know, I, I, this, this show in particular. I, at some point, you have to put your head down and do the work that you feel needs to be done. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and that's just it. And I, I, I you know, I, I love it. Um, making hip hop is is you know, it, I, I don't think I'll ever be able to stop. Um, but yeah, it, it is it is a hard thing. It, it's uh, people don't want to talk politics when they're out Friday night drinking beer. <laughs> that's what it comes down to, you but, know. Like I said earlier, like your production choices aren't they're, they're pretty accessible. I mean, mm. they're they're pretty old school. Have you thought to? brainwash people by like you know having more pop or hookier production and then getting uh, your message out there that way 
you know, no, not really. I guess not. I, I mean, I, 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 uh, I jam other types of music that I think uh, that the, the world really hasn't heard yet that w- will be more accessible. I, I still work with the, the drummer, the bass player from Warsaw Pack, uh, jam with DJs and other friends and have been making uh, slowly making actual, you know, instrumental music um and in that in that stuff when we do it i feel like could connect with more people the writing that i've been doing for that is a little more cryptic and a little more poetic i guess you could say uh it's a little more masked <laughs> the message um so i think that i'm capable of it but uh hip-hop to me is is best done you know from the heart from the gut it's visceral it's uh what's on your mind it's it's Skying up my language to make it more uh, appealing or to sort of maybe, uh, yeah, you know, make it a little more accessible. That's tough for me. Accessible is a tough thing for me. If if accessible means that that it's going to sound uh, inviting or <laughs> that sort of thing, I don't know if I can do it. I'm <clears throat> I'm I'm most at home uh, making people feel uncomfortable. And <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. I think I hear you. You, you mentioned. Uh... That you're you're not making music to be instructive necessarily, or to 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 lead people down a path to live their lives in any particular way. You're just highlighting things that bother you, and maybe as we established earlier, maybe that might be enough of a, a political notion. Do you ever feel like there's nothing we can do to alter the course of humanity? Are are you ever hopeless? Sometimes, yeah. To be honest, yeah. Especially the last couple of years, you know, uh, like the um, just the the overwhelming amount of sort of climate science and and things that are barking at us about about you know we're we're living in the in the, in the sixth mass extinction. I mean, even if it all stopped right now, we would still be considered the sixth mass extinction. We've lost half of the the life forms on this planet in 40 years, you know? Um, yeah, that's, that, that stuff freaks me out. It really does. It it does make me worry. And it does make me wonder if we're capable of, of, uh, sorting it out. I really don't know. I like to think we are, you know, I work towards a, a place where we have, but, um, part of me wonders, part of me is, is genuinely concerned about, yeah, about the existence of of our of our, our say our, our grandchildren or great grandchildren, you know. Yeah, and and I, I'm not trying to reduce it to too simple terms, but it does seem like the fundamental difference of opinions, or rather, the, the fundamental divergence of opinions, seems to do with common sense versus money, and in some cases, religion. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and 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 in a lot of ways, money is a religion. You know, we. Yeah. It's a faith-based system. We all accept it. Uh, we accept the market like one might accept a god a thousand years ago. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. That we're really dug in with with this thing. You know, we really are. Like, how do we undo that? How do we? Uh, everything's based around money and around growth. You know, growth economics. Like the idea that that we need to do a little bit more next year well we can't do that forever like it's quite obvious we can't do that forever you know um and we don't really have a plan for that we we barely have a plan for you know q4 next year you know Mm -hmm. uh people aren't thinking in terms of 20 30 50 years out they're thinking about how they can make their company grow by two and a half percent 
by this time next year so that they can sell stocks, you know? It's like a kind of like a like a like a formula or a robot that doesn't see or value life. It just says, okay, well we need to do these things and this will give us growth. Yeah, and, I'm, I'm worried that we just suck. There's nothing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. We just suck. That's a very strong possibility. It's completely it's, possible. It's really frustrating. Well, um, on a sort of brighter note, looking to the future, what's next for you um, since uh, releasing – you released this album in March. What what do you have planned uh, beyond that? Well, we toured it around the East Coast and back and around Ontario, um, playing a few spots this summer. I'm very excited to be doing Hillside. Uh, that's that, going to be fun, yeah. That's a big highlight for me. It's been a, quite a few years. Um, I'm, I'm excited for that. Uh, I'm also excited to report that, I mean, it's probably changed by now because the charts go uh, on the Tuesdays, but this is the first record that I've ever put out that they went to, to number one on the campus hip-hop charts. Oh, congratulations. Yes, yes. I've been chuffed about that all week. Yeah, I I've, I've, I've broke the top 10 a few times, but I've, yeah, I've never actually got the thing to sit at number one. So I, that, that happened this week. And that was maybe, good... maybe what we were talking about is, is actually happening. Maybe people are tiring of sort of empty headed uh stylistic only symptoms you know style over substance sentiment um I, i'd like to think that's the case i'd like to think that's why maybe you're do you know who you beat who is number two uh the uh bad bad not good and ghost face uh and uh seshi and uh uh what else has been around this last week uh <laughs> Yeah, those are the two that ha- that I was I was you know I was in in fourth and third, and those guys were ahead, and then yeah, so it was. I like this- I like Ghost. Oh yeah, for sure, and that record's amazing. Yeah, that, it's really good. That, that, a good record, so good. Um, yeah, no, I do too. Um, he's 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 my favorite Wu Tang member, that's for sure. Yeah. And I love Bad Bad Not Good. I'm so pumped that they're at Hillside this year. Actually, um, I'm really excited about that. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so, uh, yeah. so you got the number one record, <laughs> and then right. what else is going on? Um, to to be honest, not a whole lot. I've been doing a, like as far as shows and that sort of thing goes. I, I have a few around here in Hamilton and sort of Toronto. I play with my friend Tariq's band a bit, uh, the Rebel Function. They're called. So this is like a, a nine or ten piece uh, Afro soul funk band that my my friend Tariq uh, fronts. Okay. I've been playing quite a few shows with them, and uh, uh, I've been doing a lot of writing with Tariq. He goes by Mother Tarika, and uh, <laughs> he and I, yeah, he and I uh, have a group together called Flotilla. So we've just sort of started working on that this past year. Um, Flotilla is oh, has it only been around a year? Yeah, about that. That's when we put out that Line Nine song. That was the first thing that we did. That's when we realized we already had a bit of a crop of music together, and we're like. We, you know, we're like we, we can't, every time we put something out, we can't call it Lee Reed and Mother Tarika. Um, so we're like, okay, let's let's think of a name. So we've actually been doing Flotilla shows around Hamilton since last year. The, oh, okay. the first one was in uh, July, I believe, of last year. And um, I think, God, you know what? <laughs> I guess it's possible it's been longer now that I think of it, Beach. But but uh, uh, I think I think those were our first shows. Was last year? I'm pretty certain. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, I've been doing some writing with him. We're looking at putting together a record by maybe this time next year, like the spring. Cool. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm very excited about that. I really like performing with Tariq and, uh, uh, it, it, I I like performing with another MC. That's a very new thing for me. And, uh, it's so, 
such a big part of hip hop to collaborate. And I, I just, I haven't had a lot of people come into my life that write about the same things as me and, and enjoy writing about the same things. So, uh, it's been great, you know, writing with Tariq. So I've been focusing on that a lot. Yeah. And, and so, and you have a day job, you say? That's right. Yeah. I work at McMaster. So you're, you're very busy. This isn't a hobby, but you have to kind of balance it with a regular life. I do. I do. My job is fantastic for that. The people I work with are very supportive of it. I get a lot of time off, um, you know, so I'm able to to go on a two or three week tour and still keep my job. Whereas in the old days, like with Warsaw, we'd have to quit jobs every time we <laughs> every time we wanted to tour. Yeah. Like, All right, time for a new retail job. Uh, so uh, it's nice to be in a in a in a position where yeah, I can leave for two or three weeks even a couple times a year and still have a job when I get back. So do you, um, mind, do you mind discussing what it is you do at Mac? Yeah, no, not at all. I'm an administrative assistant. I'm a secretary for the vice president of advancement. So I set her calendar and I do her travel and oh, okay. her meetings and that sort of stuff. It's very, uh, uninvolved work uh, that, you know, it's, it's very stress-free. Like at five, I'm done and at five Oh one, I've stopped thinking about it. You know, that's uh, kind of nice. I, I haven't had a job oh, like that in a long time. Yeah, it's amazing. The job I did previous to that was sort of all life consuming. I was a, a res life coordinator at a college dormitory. And that when I left there, I said to myself, I am getting a job where my job stays in job world. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, The idea of like waiting up at night, worrying about things again for my day job. Uh, yeah, I couldn't do that. No more. So yeah, this is fantastic. Actually, I've been there about six years now and they treat me like gold and uh yeah, it's pretty stress free, and it and it, it uh, I'm very open about it. Like they know that I use a lot of my time off and my my free time to play music, and uh, they're supportive of that. If they know I got a show on a Thursday, they'll be like, "Ah, oh, come in late tomorrow." You know, oh, that's nice. <laughs> that's yeah. great. That's yeah. great to hear. All right, well, listen, I, I want to say that once again, uh, Lee Reed's excellent and provocative new album is called "The Butcher, the Banker, the Bitumen Tanker," and he's playing the Hillside Festival in Guelph on the weekend of July 24th, as well as other shows, as you heard him say there for more information about uh the record which you can download i believe for free still that's uh, right yeah yeah go to lee reed revolt.com now lee is there a song from uh, the record that we can play out uh, play for people right now yeah sure um uh i guess we can keep it we can keep it pretty clean we can do uh no no, no. no you can do whatever you want it's fine oh can we can we uh i uh Geez, uh, I th- my favorite is actually the the most sweariest of all the songs. It'd be track number four, "Fuck Yeah." That's <laughs> pretty much my favorite song in the record. Why is it your favorite song? Um, I just love its energy. It's already converted so well live. Like I've only performed it a few times, but people have already picked it up, and it's it's already a miniature anthem of its own. It's yeah, it's it's uh, it's really fun to perform, which. Uh, is important to me. Okay. Well, here it is. This is Lee Reed with Fuck Yeah from uh, the Butcher, the Banker, the Bitumen Tanker. Uh, Lee, it's a pleasure to get to speak to you like this, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Vish. Thanks for having me. the parliament, fuck the cops, and fuck the robber-bearing bosses, and fuck they offices, predominant model of economics, and elephant cock in they ballot boxes, and fuck your profit, fuck your market, a pox on your pop stars, and all your paparazzi, red carpet, the facades of the fortune, fuck your border, fuck your law and your 
order. We're right wing, born again. Christmas ornament, boys on the board. They pawns down in Ottawa. Fuck all of the honorable members of all of it. Fuck your scholarship, man. Fuck your colleges. Fuck all the faces in all of your wallets. And fuck Stephen. Fuck Justin. Fuck Thomas. Fuck the hope and the promise. The drama you're voting, promoting. Fuck your results, man. Cops don't pay leave for shots. And fuck y'all. Stock markets and profits. And fuck y'all. Bosses and punch clocks. And fuck y'all. Rocket and bomb droppers. And fuck y'all. Workplace coffins. And fuck y'all. Worst case options. And fuck y'all. Corporate fortune. War mongering. Bomb loving. Reganomical. Fuck y'all. Fuck the government, fuck the funds that govern them, fuck the ones that are sticking the funds in front of them, the ones running it, the bomb, the gun, the tank, the bank, the mutual funds, and all of it, fuck them all of it, I'm all in top bottom and I flow throw it Hollywood, fuck the Armada, SWAT party armor bit, no knock drama, these cops want violence, fuck those denying it, don't be buying that truth, these liars got suits that conspire to fuck your mind a bit, hypnotic shift, Bourgeois tits, you should suck them till you're with this Capitalist shit, graphing statistic The math, the mystery, map to the mystic Fuck the tradition of those fuckers imposing this existence I said, fuck they whole system, system, system Cops don't pay leave for shots and fuck y'all Stock markets and profits and fuck y'all Bosses and punch clocks and fuck y'all Rocket and bomb droppers and fuck y'all Workplace coffins and fuck y'all Worst case options and fuck y'all Corporate fortune, warmongering, bomb-loving, reganomical Fuck y'all Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 